morning, the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Lynn said we were going to have fun this morning. Could y'all say amen? amen? You ought to go to church. You ought to have fun. You, if you go, if you leave, you ought to say, well, that was fun. When can we do it again? Hebrews chapter 6. We looked at this Wednesday night. Let's look at it again, if you would, with me. Verse 13. 613, the word says, for when God made promise to Abraham, isn't it amazing that God would make a promise to anyone? Why would he have to promise anything? Well, usually when you promise somebody something, it's an exchange. It's a deal. You know, I'll promise to do this. You'll promise to do that. That's what a contract is. I promise to pay. Well, I'll give you my house, my car. I'll rent it to you. He said, when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater. So he didn't want to be, he didn't want to, uh, what, do, what do you call that? Renege on the word, on his word. And so for some reason, God had some motivation to, to emphasize his promise. Emphasize what he was swearing. It's like Abraham says, well, here's the God and the creator of the universe standing in front of me. I need a little more than that. I need, I need some, you know, we need some verification. Have you got papers? Have you got credentials? Do you have references? Uh, do you have an account that we can go look up and see if it's really got stuff in it? When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. How many of y'all know the Lord knows who he is? Amen. He said he could swear by no greater. So he knew he was the greater. The day that you and I know that, we'll have a better day. The day that we acknowledge everything about the Lord because you would swear by yourself and there is no greater than you, then I'm going to take your promises but, uh, as real. How many times do we take the word of God and go, I, I, I know he thinks it's true, but I need some verification. I need some witness that this is going to come to pass. That's what Thomas did when, when he, Jesus walked through the door and... and uh, Thomas said, unless I see the scars in your hands and in your side, I will not believe. Oh, my. Don't y'all know that's a terrible thing. But we could be guilty of the very same thing. It says in verse 18 that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Now, when you know that, when you get that, that's impossible for God to lie, then you'll be listening for the word of the Lord. There was a word of the Lord that came this morning. And it's life changing. The word of the Lord is always life changing. It's never nonchalant, casual. It's life changing. Verse 13, back to that, it says in New Living, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. I wonder if our name is worth taking a no thin. I, I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make a deal with you, and uh, I, I promise to give you a hundred thousand dollars by Tuesday. I'd like for you to sign this deed or this title and give it to me, but I'll bring you the money on Thursday. You might not be so satisfied by his saying, "I promise" or "I will." But the Lord is. He's sure of himself. 
It's time, family, for us to believe the word of the Lord. I said it's time for us to change sides and to believe the word of the Lord. It's impossible for God to lie. Say it with me. It's impossible for God to lie. So if it's impossible for God to lie, he must be telling the truth. Hallelujah. It's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Hallelujah. It's impossible for God to lie. We have no interruptions this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So the word we said Wednesday night, the word impossible, it's incapable of existing. So if something's impossible, it's incapable of existing. It's impossible for it to transpire. So if they give you a diagnosis of some kind that says it's impossible to recover from this, you automatically have a choice to believe that word or believe the word of the Lord. The, the Bible says, whose report will you believe? We're always between two decisions. The valley of decision is always out there. Which one will you believe? Because they're opposing, they're different, they're not the same. So we know, we say that if God's word is no good, what would we say? God's no good. Would we say that about God? Would we say that about you? I'm working with a man that uh, gives his word sometimes, said, I'll be there tomorrow. And he's not there. So I told him one day, I said, uh, your word's no good. Well, it just, it upset him to no end. It was like he was offended. My word's no good. I said, yeah, you said, but you didn't do what you said. Well, it, something came up and I said, well, that's not what you said last week and the week before and the week before. I said, uh, if, you, if your word's no good, then you're no good. And it shook him to his bones. It, uh, he was deeply offended by it. But on the other hand, he understood the reality of it. If your word is no good, then you're no good. Well, that means that declares that you and your word are the same. Okay. Okay. We're going to make it. We're going to make it here. Amen. The man of God took care of it out there. <laughs> All right. Got him settled? All right. All is well. Okay, back to this, because y'all hadn't heard a word I've said in the last 13 seconds and two minutes. If, if, a, if your word is no good, then in the kingdom value system of what something's worth then the equivalency of your word being no good means that you have no value, you have no worth, you have no residue to bring forward, you have nothing to bargain with or to, trans, or to, to trans, transact with somebody else. If your word is no good, then you are no good. So more than anything, we are working or we are aligning ourselves up with my, me and my word are the same, therefore... If I want to increase my value, what do I do? I give worth to my word. So the Lord knows that. Do you all know the Lord knows that? The word, his word and his, his value, his worth, who he is, are the equivalency. They're the same. So he knows that if he, his word is no good, then he is no good. Therefore, 
Pamela. Therefore, God's word is good. <laughs> I'm going to black that window out. I'm going to black that window out. I'm going to take it out. I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to black it out, y'all. Y'all, it's just somebody. They'll be here tomorrow. Hallelujah. So people say of people, he's a good man. I've heard it. I've heard it. He, that's a good man. And that means in their uh, saying is that his personality is good. They're, they're amenable. They're charismatic. They're, they're uh, fun to be with. They've always got an idea. They've, they've, they know fun stuff to do. But if their word is no good, they are no good. And family, we've got to learn this. We've got to put this in here. God's value system is you are no better and no different than your word. So you go, well, OK, I'll keep my word. But we cannot keep our word if we don't value God's word. If we say I'm good, but I don't value his word, which is absolutely truth, then we have no place to go with our word and our value. So when we wonder why things don't happen, things don't transpire, it's because our word is no good. When we have said, I will respect and honor God's word, but we do not. This is serious business. This is serious business. We live and die every day based on the value that we give on God's word. We are, we are held up by the word of his power. Hallelujah. So why would we think different? Why would we think different than God? Because we have a different value system than him. But we're changing it. I'm changing my value system so that when I discover what God has said, then I know what I will say. And what his word is to him, my word then becomes to me. I become my word. I've already, I, we are already our word, but I begin to, to transact that, that I am no better than my word. Therefore, I told y'all last year that I came into this realization and I started quit, I quit saying, we'll see y'all soon. That's a common salutation for me when I hang up a phone or something, see you soon. But there's some people I, I know when I'm talking to them, hopefully, or probably, I will never see you again. And it suits me. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but this is, this is not good people that I'm talking about. So I, I've, been giving, I've been giving my word only when I am sure that I can keep it. Okay, there's a silence right here. I'm going to keep my word, therefore I'm going to only give my word to the level that I can keep my word. I am a word keeper. So when we say, I'll pray for you, had someone ask me the other day, uh, someone that I know, he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I got, I got this, uh, it's not terminal, but I've got a real serious this and that. He said, but I, I know you'll be praying for me. And I said, no, Bob, I won't. I said, tell you what, if you'll call me, and I gave him my number, if you'll call me, I'll come to wherever you are and I will pray for you. But I'm not going to just keep you in my thoughts and prayers. I want to do business. He never called. Where is this going? I, I'm not sure. We have, no we have no options with the word of God. We either believe it, we, we either believe God's word is true, 
or we disbelieve it and we do not believe God's word is true. There is no ambivalence. There's no middle ground that says, yeah, I believe it, but not enough to do anything about it. That's error. That's not the way it works. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 23, would you please? So my life and my faith depend on my measure of the word. Numbers 23. It's way over there. Let's look in verse 19. I hope you have a star around this verse. If you don't, circle it. Put a mark in your Bible. Please own a Bible that you can mark in. What, what was exciting, uh, speaking of Bibles, I took, uh, uh, Debbie had, gosh, she had a dozen Bibles. And most of them, the pages were falling out, like Joe Morris's Bibles. So I went through her Bible one time and just looked at all the notes. And it was just so full of revelation, so full of things that I'd never thought about. It's so fun to go through somebody else's Bible if they've got notes in their Bible. You can learn so much. In verse 19, let's read it together. Ready, read. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Amen. That's on or off. That's in or out. That's up or down. There's no gray in that. There's no sort of he could. He's got a loophole here. He's got a way out. That's the way it is. My life depends on me and my relationship to the word of God. My faith is absolutely dependent on my relationship with the word of God. There is no other. Have you ever heard people say, I have faith? That's completely meaning something different than what this is. That's meaning they believe in God. I have a verse. I'll just bring it right now. It's in James. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 19. Just listen to this. Don't turn there. We're going to go back to Numbers. Thou believest there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now, how about that? The devil believes that God's word is true. Except for the part about that he's going to be cast into the pit and he's going to be defeated. Except for that, he knows that the word is true. The, uh, the New Living says, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So really just believing that God's word is God's word is not the same as believing God's word is true. Do you believe God's word is true? Do you believe all of it's true? Every bit of it, every time, in every circumstance, it will change your life. And actually what we're doing this morning, what you do when you listen to a video or, or read the scriptures, you are, you are convincing, you are persuading yourself to believe God's word is true where there's things that are impossible in your life or very difficult, we read the word and we shed the light, we cast the light of his truth on our situation and we become convinced that that is more true 
than our situation. So if you fail to read the word, if you fail to listen to people that are preaching the word, then you have no convincing proof. You have no persuasion that comes and says, God's right and you're wrong. And so you believe the lie. So we're constantly changing our mind about the word of God. We believe it's true, but acting on it is what proves that we believe the word. The New Living says that he is not human, so he does not change his mind. Boy, that's an indictment against us, isn't it? He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised to not carry it through? Ever. The Lord thinks that he's got a 100% rating on keeping his word. I certainly don't. I think, I think we'd all be embarrassed if the Lord could run a little scan on us and tell us what we kept our word of and what we didn't. I think it would be... The easy, easy to read version says, God is not a human being. His decisions will not change. If he says he will do something, then he will do it. If he makes a promise, then he will do what he promised. That's life-changing right there. That's life-changing. You know, this should be our testimony. I gave my word. I will keep my word. Even if we'll have to suffer to keep it. Amen. So we should only promise what we intend to deliver. And that makes us keep God's word as sacred and, and, and a foundation in our life, if we believe God's word is there. Romans chapter 4, if you would, please. Romans chapter 4. We're talking about God will keep his promises to me. Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. As it is written, verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made thee, I have made thee, I have already made thee a father of many nations. So the Lord thought it was done before Abraham could touch it. So the Lord thinks there's a lot of things that are done because he promised them and he's good for it. And the day that we know that he's good for it, our faith will work. When we agree with what God thinks, we'll have what he thinks. So he says by his stripes, we were healed. He thinks we're already healed. He, when we go and ask him, Lord, would you heal me? He doesn't get that. That's the wrong terminology. He, he doesn't get that language. Would you heal me? He believes that you're already healed. So we don't even really go and ask him to do what he thinks he's already done. We go and agree with him for what he's already done. I thank you, Lord, that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. 
I thank you, Lord, it's already happened 2,000 years ago. I thank you that Lord Jesus satisfied the claims against my body for sickness and disease and pain to have a place, a legal dominion in my life, a place in my life. I thank you, Lord, that those claims were satisfied. Judgment against me was taken out of the way and that he thinks, he believes, he asserts, he, he lives as if it's already happened. Now I will change my posture because now I believe it has already happened. Then your body, which is a lesser vessel, a lesser authority, it has to line up with the higher authority of your words. God's word in your heart becomes God's word out of your mouth. And so you begin to enforce God's word and your body then has no choice but to believe and to obey and to conform to your words. Your words set the tone for your future. Well, how do we know what to set the tone? We just agree that God's word is true and it begins to, begins to be happen. Uh, in verse 21, it says uh, of Abraham, we skipped a lot from Wednesday, and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded. I looked that up in the Greek and it means to make, uh, it means to be uh, entirely made full, fully persuaded. So that means there's no doubt. We're fully persuaded. We've agreed with God. We've agreed that his word is true, that God is good and his word is good because they are the same, that you cannot separate his word from, him, from himself. So he said in verse 21, and being fully persuaded, the word means to make full proof of. So take it apart. Go to prayer and say, Lord, is this true? He will say, yes, it is. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Isn't that all of what we are dealing with in faith? Is, are you able to do what you said you have done? Are you able to bring it to pass? And that's the question. We have to answer it. You can't just give him lip service. Lord, I believe and I'm thanking you for it. There's got to be a fully persuaded in there. And when you're fully persuaded, then you'll tell people. Yeah, it happened. It's done. It doesn't matter what it looks like. But the doctor said. That's probably the biggest factor in all of our lives and in the world's lives. But the doctor said. But the doctor said. And they seem like they have a lot of authority. They can show you the scans, the tests, the, the symptoms. And they can make a case that says, I know what you say, but this is what your body has demonstrated with our tests. And so you have to make a choice. So it seems like most people are more fully persuaded that the doctor is right. They've been to school. They've got good machines. They've got good equipment and good analysis. Why would they lie? Well, they wouldn't lie because that's what's being said. But the word is true. The Phillips version says he remained absolutely convinced. He remained. He remained. So why would we keep going back to the doctor once we're fully persuaded? I'm just asking. Do we want, some people say, well, I want to go 
to the doctor so that I can show him what God did. That's not really true. I don't think that we just keep going to the doctor because I want the doctor to be persuaded that what I believe is true. We really don't make our case to other people. We make our case to ourselves. And then that demonstration, that testimony will be shown to others. The way translation says he remained absolutely certain. He remained absolutely certain. Okay, so there's a time lapse between you speak to the mountain and say, be thou removed, be cast into the sea. Do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatever you say. There's a, there's a time lapse sometimes. If it's not instant, it's always between when you speak to the mountain until you have what you say. And we have to outlast the time lapse. So we have to, what we have to do is we have to remain fully persuaded. How do we do that? We renew our mind with the word of God. We keep going over the promises that he said, will I not do it? So we go back to numbers and he says, I will do it every time. So we go back to that and we enforce the promises instead of going back to the symptoms and going back to the test and going back to the problem. We go back to the word of God. So you can't be double minded and hope to receive anything from God. The world will always win. Always. Well, why didn't God come through if he's so sure that he can do everything? Because we gave place to the world. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Do we all know this? Of course. Do we need to all know it again? Of course. Hebrews chapter 11. It's not one and done in the word of God. Because our minds are not able to retain everything forever, we have to renew them. We have to go over and over in our, in our mind the truth of God's word because there's a video playing in the background of the world that's going on all the time. So if you listen to that by default, just the world saying it's going to fall, it's going to be hurt, it's going to be poor, it's going to be a pandemic, whatever it says, you have to play the corresponding promises of God in order to, to defend that against the world. So in, in chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or the substitute of things not seen, the substitute of things not seen, the substitute of things not seen. So when we can't see the evidence, we've spoke to the mountain and told our body to line up, we've told our money to line up. But we don't see it because we're in that time lapse between speaking to it and having what we say. We have to have a substitute. We have to have a place marker. We have to have something there that stands that we can see, that we can know, that we can rely on. And the Bible says it's the word of God. It's the promises. So we meditate them day and night. Day and night. Day and night. You will lose the battle against your senses against the experience of the world if you don't put in a corresponding substitute for the evidence that's real because we hurt in our bodies. Our bank account says don't write that check because it will be hot. They will, they will assess you at the bank. And it's quite difficult to pay those. Hallelujah. 
the uh, cotton patch says in verse one, faith, it's, be it's betting your life on the unseen realities. Betting your life on the unseen realities. I have a friend that had a, uh, he went in for, a, he was going in for a liver transplant. It was shot. He was, he was on the list and they finally got him in just in time. And uh, they were having trouble with the uh, transplant, getting it in there and making sure. So he called me. He called me and he said, he wasn't really even in faith. I don't think he was really in faith. His mother made him call me. And so he's on the phone. He's not being very respectful. He's not being very, he's all, all woe is me. And I prayed for him. And I commanded. And I released. Well, he didn't have to have a liver transplant. The next day and the day after that, he started turning around. So he went the other day. This has been a year ago. He went the other day. Oh, he was in hospice before that. It was over. They, they said this week or next, it's over if you don't get a transplant. So uh, the other day, he's, he's going to get a cataract off his eye because that's the only medical thing he's got going on in his life. His liver, the doctors in Houston say, is completely, completely healed. He, has, he needs nothing. But, but it wasn't him. It was the Lord Jesus, but somebody stood in the gap. That's what we have to have. But once we get this thing about God's word is true, we have to stand on our own. The uh, Phillips version, excuse me, let's, let's read in verse three. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So my words... Your words, our words, are the difference. God created them the same way we create them, and our words make the difference. So if you're not willing to speak, then you can change nothing. There's no thinking going on. The Phillips Version says that the world which we can see has come into being through principles that are invisible. The cotton patch again. I don't know who this guy was that wrote the cotton patch, but he is a mess. Living by the unseen, Enoch was transfigured so he didn't die. His corpse was never found because God transfigured him. Without living by the unseen, it's impossible to get such approval. So we're living by the unseen. We're living by the word of God. So here's, here it is, family. We either have to live by the word or we have to be natural. It's not enough to have an intention. It's not enough to know that the word is true. It's not enough to go to a faith church. It's not enough to get prayer. It's not enough to, to uh, have a company of believers that we all just believe God, God's in the healing business. Unless you're willing to live in the unseen realm, you're going to have to go back to the natural. You've you got to get you a good doctor and a good banker. You've got to have you a credit card with a lot of lemon on it you got to have a tolerant landlord. you got to have a mechanic that can help you with your car. you got to have all the things the world has. you got to use your faith on the best of that if you can't get into the unseen.
Turn with me to Titus, if you would. That's uh, page 1037. I wrote it in my notes so that I, because I, I wasn't sure I could find it. 1037 in a Bible like mine, as Joe Morris would say. Verse 1. Titus, right after 2 Timothy. Right in front of, uh, well, that's Philemon. In front of Hebrews. You know what's going to happen on Sunday morning after August, uh, after July 18th? We're going to have testimonies of miracles, all kinds of healings, all kinds of things that are happening in the river teams. God's showing up. We're just going to lay hands on the sick in the river teams, and these people are going to bust out with healing. Whether they ever come or not, we're going to hear about it, and it's going to stir us up. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Which God that cannot lie promised. God, which cannot lie, promised. Isn't it amazing that the road under the Red Sea was created before the world or as the world was created? Isn't that amazing that thousands of years later, when Moses raised his rod, his creation became evident? It's like paying for someone's college tuition when they're not even in kindergarten yet. Or when Eric Scott was born, he might not like telling this, but well, he had a hernia in his crotch. And he would scream and, and he would blow up. And uh, his mother and I just laid hands on him one day and said, that's enough of that. And he was completely healed. Colin broke his arm playing football in the front yard. And we saw the x-ray. It was a big old bona fide Break. It wasn't just a crack or a fracture. It was a break. But the swelling was so big, they said, come back on Monday and we'll set it. Well, we were going to camp meeting that weekend. So we laid hands on him. We were new. We were green as grass, but we were new. But we just laid hands on him and told him to be healed. So his grandmother took him to the doctor on Monday. And so they ran around there taking x-rays. And then they ran around there and they brought the old x-rays out and they came out and said, we made a mistake. There was no break. He was completely healed. Those are just things of long time ago. But all of us have those things happening in our lives. The truth is, is that because God can't lie, he has to love us 100% of the time, even when we're ornery as a polecat. Well, I mean, not y'all, of course, the people on broadcast, they're the ones. Absolutely. It's not us. He has to forgive us. He, the Lord Jesus said to forgive. How many times? Seventy times seven, which is forever. So that means the Lord has to forgive us 70 times seven. Do you ever think about that, that he has to do whatever he's told us to do? That if he tells us to speak to the mountain, 
He's already spoke to the mountain. He cannot fail to multiply every seed that you plant. Because he never planted a seed that didn't multiply. Isn't that amazing? That every time we cast the devil out, it's cast out. I wonder if it worked. It did. We need to know that we've been put in charge of this world with an amazing authority. What authority is that? The exact same authority that God created with and the very authority that Jesus operated in. Not a different kind of authority or faith, the same kind of authority and faith. You need to have confidence. We need to have confidence that what we say from a believing heart, fully persuaded, that's how it is and it won't be different. I'm ready to change. How about you? We're, we're ready to go over to the other side, so to speak. When you lay hands on things to recover, that's how it is. It says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall. Shall is a very strong word. It's a very affirming word. It's a very positive word. That's what happened. Well, why didn't it come out? Somebody undid it. If your shoe's not tied after you tied it, it means it came untied. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, I am not ashamed. Why are you not ashamed, Paul? For I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he that I have believed is able to keep that which I have committed against, uh, unto him against that day. That's who you are. That's who I am. That's who we are. I am not ashamed. I'm bold as, as a radish. Bold, bold, bold. Get out there and challenge the word of God by doing something that seems impossible but defies the promises of God. Change something before we go to heaven. And you all shucks, I wish I'd have been bolder. I wish I'd have stepped out. I wish I'd have did what the word said. I wish I'd obeyed my heart. I wish I'd have followed my faith. I wish I had stepped out of my comfort zone. I wish I wouldn't have cared if I was embarrassed or somebody was going to mock me or laugh at me or remove their friendship from me. Wouldn't it be a shame to go to heaven and know all that and leave all that behind? I know people that don't know that. They don't know that God keeps his word. That's another story, but I know it and you know it. And to us who know to do right, we have to do it or it'll be sin. We'll be missing the mark. So let's stand up this morning and let's commit ourselves. Now, just don't say anything if you don't want to commit with me, but say what? Say, say after I say. And if you don't like what I say, just keep your mouth shut and it'll be just like you like it. <laughs> Amen. So let's lift a hand. Father in heaven, I have heard your word. Your uncompromising word. 
Your word that has never failed. The word that's come out of your mouth. And the word that you keep. Today, I change my mind. I determine in advance to believe, be persuaded, to be convinced of your word when I hear it the first time in a conversational tone. When I read your word, I will be persuaded that it is truth and I will change and conform my life to all that is truth. Today, Lord, I open my life to you for more truth, for revelation, for increase in my life. I will fulfill the call of God on my life that you have promised and set in motion to be done by your word. I am a disciple. I am pleasing you. And I am pleasing myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's different. Starting today, it's different. You will mark the third day of July tomorrow to say today's different. We're in the second half of a very supernatural year. We're in a year that God says you will know what to do. So we know what to do and we have the power to do it. So we will do what we know to do and it will change. Amen. 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 All right.